in our journey from the invention of the light bulb to the improvement of our electronic devices sleep challenges have also increased in recent times research into light and circadian rhythms have burst forth an innovation into protecting ourselves from the impact of artificial light has also grown alongside the subject of light and dark is quite simply fascinating when i heard the term dark deficiency from my guest today i knew we must explore it on the podcast in today's episode we will answer three questions do we have dark deficiency why are some of us more sensitive to light than others what's the recommendation for light and dark dr katherine darley is a pioneering internationally recognized expert in the use of natural behavioral and lifestyle medicine for the treatment of sleep disorders dr darley founded the institute of naturopathic sleep medicine she is playing an active part in the development of the field of naturopathic sleep medicine through her original research on naturopathic treatments for sleep and specialist training for other doctors let's get started Hey everyone I'm Deepa Light Functional Medicine practitioner author and yogini and you're listening to the Sleep Whisperer podcast the only sleep podcast with conversations and meditations I'm on a mission to share profoundly insightful sleep conversations with global visionaries that merge together functional medicine and ancient wisdom Breathe in bliss through weekly guided meditations and let yourself enter the land of dreams. Together, let's unravel the pieces, get to the roots and understand the right tools to transform your sleep completely. Through this podcast, I want you to dream the best version of yourself. It's time to regain hope and begin your sleep journey. Dr. Catherine Darley, it's a pleasure to have you on the Sleep Whisperer podcast. And um, I, when I first met you um, through our mutual friend, Dr. Diana Minnick, I was fascinated by you speaking into darkness. And uh, I knew I wanted to have you. I wanted to write to you right away. And then, as you know, I lost my father and I got derailed a little bit. And you were the first person I emailed when I got back into the midst of things. And today we are talking about light and dark. And you have this... um, Um, I mean, I have the pleasure of hosting you simply because you've been in the space of sleep medicine for so long. And that is indeed unusual because while it's coming a little bit more into the forefront today, 
way back when you started, it was quite unusual. And I'd love to know, first of all, how did you enter the space of sleep? Well, I got really interested in sleep when I was in college, actually. And that translated into working at a sleep research center immediately after college. Uh, people always ask me what got me interested. And it's just really that foundational belief that sleep is one of those foundations of health, along with exercise, movement, healthy diet. And without the third stool, leg of the stool, you really don't have your health. If you're focusing on nutrition and eating great, and you have healthy movement, healthy body structure, if you don't have sleep, you're not going to have complete health. And uh, that's really kind of what motivated me and plus it's so interesting you know and everybody sleeps I mean sleep is universal and that's what's so surprising that even today when we are spending so much of our lives sleeping and uh, at times there's almost as if the um, when someone cannot sleep it's indeed an oversight and it's not given the importance. And as you described, there are people who are doing the absolutely perfect diet, going into the intricacies of complex therapeutic diets, but not bringing that same attention to looking at sleep, not just quantity, the quality, the timing. And as we're talking about timing, I think it's great to get started because first of all, we are talking about the diurnal rhythms of light and darkness, which are all around us. But how does this light and dark, how do they shape our own physiology? Well, I like people, to, first of all, to really connect with the light and dark experience that our ancestors had you know, throughout human history up until about 200 years ago. And I think if you've ever had the chance to maybe go camping or go out somewhere where there's not electric light, you can really understand what that experience is, that when the sun goes down, it actually gets really dark, right? Which we're not used to experiencing in our homes, in our cities. And um, so our physiology, human physiology was really designed for those light, dark patterns and those changes. And uh, our physiology is kind of reliant on that natural light, dark changes for our natural function. And one of the things that I'm thinking a lot about now, Deepa, is um, do people have a dark deficiency? I don't know of any other doctors talking about that phrase yet, but to me, because of the melatonin that can come up naturally only during darkness, we really need that darkness to have our melatonin. And um, melatonin has a lot of actions throughout the body in every single cell. 
I love the term dark deficiency. I think we should go into that a little bit more. And I must tell you, Dr. Catherine, as you know, I, I live in the middle of the forest here in India and in the southern tip. And we are in a rural area. So the electricity is actually not perfect. And we have power outages all the time. And a few days ago, we lost our uh, inverter batteries as well. So we were in complete darkness. And it's surprising to see that I've been so spoiled that I've forgotten my childhood where several nights were spent with a candlelight for studying, for eating dinner. And then I was just getting annoyed by the time it was 24 hours, I was pouncing on my husband. When is the power coming back? And we're just completely uh -huh. spoiled. And I, I mean, I can't imagine why we, I couldn't have just used that as an opportunity to uh, give myself a little therapeutic boost for my own dark deficiency. So let's talk a little bit about dark deficiency itself. Sure. So um, when it's dark out, well, actually, when the sun starts going down, when it's, it gets more into that yellowish reddish type of light that we associate with sunset, our melatonin in those naturalistic settings can start to rise. And melatonin, in addition to having functions all throughout our body, really is helpful for sleep. It helps us feel drowsy. It has poor body temperature, feel drowsy. So in those naturalistic conditions, our melatonin will start to rise and it'll be somewhat elevated before we get into bed. And then it'll continue to rise for a couple hours. But when you're having light in your home or you're on the computer, your melatonin doesn't have the chance to rise because there's no darkness, right? And so your melatonin is low, low, low until you turn off the lights and get into bed. And that's, and that's when it can start rising. So when we think about people who take a long time to fall asleep, I think about, are they getting enough darkness? And so that their melatonin can rise before bed. And just to let you and your audience know, if you hold your arm out, your hand out arm, length and you can see your fingers wiggling that's enough light to suppress your melatonin it's really a very sensitive system and I, I think that's a you know lots of people have heard about not using your electronics in the hour before bed but that bit about your seeing your fingers wiggle really shows how very sensitive the system is I don't think people understand how responsive um, our brain is to light and on that note, Dr. Catherine, I know, I know that when you describe that, I could picture myself because we have a little pinpoint of light on our light switch. And I'm always complaining about that to my husband saying it's very sharp and it's waking me up. And um, I've been accused of being a sleep diva. But uh, <laughs> jokes apart, why why are we different? Why are we so wired so differently where I'm so sensitive to that little pinprick of light, whereas he is not, he can just lie down and he's fast asleep in a few moments. And um, I mean, we're both in the same environment. We're both exposed to similar light and darkness. So in what way, what are the other ways that 
might be impacting my melatonin over his, which is making me have a greater darkness deficiency and uh, him, he's able to fall asleep. What's making our physiology so different? Yeah, that's a good question. I think about a lot of things um, in what you're describing. I think about how each of us not only in sleep, but just in our overall health, we each have certain strengths and weaknesses, right? One person might need more magnesium. One person might need more uh, diet, dietary fiber to stay regular. You know, we all have our certain weaknesses. So that's one thing that I think of is just your individual um, constitution and whatnot. And then I also think about, you know, if he's sleep deprived, one of the things that we want is for people to fall asleep within 30 minutes, but we don't necessarily want people to fall asleep as soon as their head hits the pillow. That can be a sign that a person is just simply not getting enough hours of sleep. So that's one uh, other thought that comes to mind. And then specifically about the light, different people will have different sensitivity to the light. What's happening is we have these specialized cells in our eyes between the rods and cones. You know, we've heard about rods and cones that we need for vision, right? And there's these specialized cones, excuse me, specialized cells between the rods and cones called, it's a long name, intrinsically photosensitive retinal ganglion cells. And they basically are sensitive to blue light particularly, but they're also sensitive to the brightness of light. And they send a signal to the brain to um, stop sending, stop producing melatonin in the presence of light. So if the retinal system between two people is more or less sensitive, that can also cause these changes. What's really interesting, um, if I can go on one more tidbit here, what's really interesting is that these cells age, like we every part of our body ages, right? But as those cells age, they become less responsive to light. So if you look at young children, they're more sensitive to light in their bedrooms. They're more sensitive to being on the phone uh, or the screen right before bed than our elders are. And so that could also be a part of the individual response to light. I appreciated so many things there, Dr. Catherine, about uh, me, Nas, of course, being bio-individual. And I also wondered because uh, his vision at 55 has been described by the doctor as simply fantastic six on six and oh. my vision has always been a problem I've been wearing spectacles from the time I was seven years old and then I had a laser corrective surgery 20 years ago and then in the last two years I'm again myopic uh, so maybe there's uh, some connection but I'm just guessing there but let's come a little bit into looking at what are the other health implications of these light and dark cycles not being not having probably dark deficiency and what's what is it affecting us in other areas because generally we're looking at it only under the perspective of sleep itself but what else is going on when we are not in balance with light and darkness yeah 
So that's a great question. And, and this is an area of growing recognition, uh, at least in medical circles, but I don't think it's really reaching um, people yet. And we all want to take care of our own health as best we can. So I think this is a really important topic. So if you look at somebody's melatonin with just two nights of camping, where they're not getting electric light at night, um, their melatonin secretion will be longer and they'll have more total melatonin in their system. And this melatonin from the brain goes throughout the body. We also have melatonin uh, produced in our GI tract and some other tissues. And melatonin not only has this role in sleep, but it's an anti-inflammatory. And we know so many chronic diseases are due to chronic inflammation, right? That's part of what we're trying to do with having our fruits and vegetables and our phytonutrients is get those anti-inflammatory properties. And actually um, melatonin is a, one of our strongest anti-inflammatories. It's also a very powerful antioxidant. And um, as we, our cells do their work, right? They're pr producing these reactive oxygen, reactive nitrogen species. And uh, melatonin is actually a stronger antioxidant than some that we hear of like glutathione. Melatonin is a stronger antioxidant. So we want to have these long, periods every night where our melatonin can just be at that level that historically people's melatonin has been um, before electric lights. Um, and then it also has immune promoting um, features. It helps skin repair. It has a lot of, of um, actions. It's, it helps with bones, actually, the osteoclasts that need to uh, keep rebuilding our bones so we keep strong bones. Uh, melatonin actually has a role there. Wow. And um, it's just that when you were talking about that, it, my mind was popping to two aspects. The first is that I know a lot of colleagues who use uh, glutathione in therapeutic recommendations for various uh, for liver challenges for being the potent antioxidant that it is. And I was just thinking that a simpler approach to begin with might be just coming back in sync with light and darkness as a powerful therapeutic tool. And I'm all about looking at simplistic before challenging and before the complex. And um, before we talk a little bit about melatonin supplements, I do want to ask you that um, where, what is your opinion in terms of beginning with improvement of melatonin? Would it be with the supplementation or would it be just to change your cycle and change your interaction with darkness? I, I also like to go with lifestyle factors first when we can. And so I think that it's a great practice to notice what's happening outside in the evening. And as the sun goes down and the light starts changing outside to start changing your light in your home, turning down the lights. Uh, one strategy that I really love for people to do is to have 
one special lamp that's like your sunset lamp. It, maybe it's a torchier that aims up so it's none of the light is going directly on your eyes and it has more of a yellowish hue of light and dim light so that you're getting that cue of darkness. Um, the other thing that is really important and um, you know, this some, sometimes is a little disconnect from people because we talk about, oh, melatonin is the hormone of darkness and that's why we need our darkness. But it's also strongly influenced by morning light. So if you get, um, the recommendation is 20 minutes of bright outside light, preferably in the first two hours of wakefulness, that will actually boost your evening melatonin and shift it earlier. So then you're gonna be able to fall asleep earlier and um, have melatonin elevated for more time. And it's, um, you know, in that camping example that I gave you, it's not an insignificant amount of time. In the camping experiments, people had their melatonin release elevated for two hours more than in an electric light. So that's, you know, really significant. Some of these recommendations, Dr. Catherine, about how do we interact with light and darkness, we hear about, but it's almost as if it's become wallpaper now. So we all know that we shouldn't be doing something, but we're doing it anyway. Uh, and I get messages from um, clients in the US when it's daytime in India. So it's obviously the middle of the night and uh, they're texting me or responding to an email. So even though it's sounding like wallpaper in the background, and I'm hoping that by seeing that it will make people pay a little more attention, do talk us a little bit through how might our routines be uh, to optimize our interaction with light and darkness. Yeah, so I think um, starting in the morning, plan to get at least 20 minutes, 30 minutes would be better of outside light uh, because in many ways we have dark deficiency like we've been talking about, but we also have light deficiency and um, people don't get, people get less than a 10th of the amount of light that human beings are accustomed to getting over the course of history. So that's really, we're just, we're light deficient too, is my point. Um, so get up in the morning, get bright light. And then if you can, um, you know, work outside on your computer, if you're in a sunny place where you can, um, you know, or a covered porch or something where you're going to get more light, at least take 10 minutes every two hours to go outside, get bright light. Um, one thing for people who like tech, on your phone, you can download what's called a Lux meter, L-U-X meter. And it'll measure the light. You want to be getting 10,000 lux of light uh, often throughout the day. And in the past, I've checked on my phone sitting here with my computer and there's a light up above. And it's only something like uh, 130 lux, which is really super dim. And um, last time I checked here and then I went outside of my office and outside was uh, 16,000 lux. Um, so that shows you it's, a, you know, a couple orders of magnitude. And then, uh, as the sunset happens outside to be turning down your lights and, 
I want to come back also to um, one thing that you said about people answering emails and responding in the middle of the night. I think that's also an aspect of dark deficiency is that, you know, when the light is on, we feel like we should be active and it, it stimulates us to be active and we feel like we should be taking care of business. And, you know, where's the rest? Where is the rest? Now, I don't know if you found this Deepa when your power was out and you had candlelight for a few nights. Did you find that you were able to rest more in the evenings because you simply didn't have the illumination to be busy? Yeah, absolutely. So I just knocked off. Uh, and I, in fact, I I didn't even open the bed. I was lying on the bed and I was talking to my husband and I just dropped asleep. And he had to remove my glasses. And uh, he said, I just let you sleep because you had fallen asleep. Right. Right. And, and you I think... also, and Dr. Catherine, before we go ahead, you spoke a little bit about the light deficiency. And I do want you to clarify because I can so imagine my son listening to our episode and saying, she said, I can look at lights and I have light deficiency. And I just want to clarify that by that, you mean a deficiency of natural light, sunlight and not our screens. Yes, I'm not talking about screens. Screens have screens provide quite a different uh, type of light and color of light than outside light. Outside light will give us from the ultraviolet to the blue to the green to the yellow to the red and into infrared. Um, just naturally and about equal amounts of all of those wavelengths. The indoor light gives us a spike of blue, a lot of blue, and then a little bit of the yellow and red, but it doesn't give us the green hardly at all. And it doesn't give us as, you know, the infrared and the ultraviolet. So it's really, yes, the outside light is what I'm talking about there. So what and, are your um, recommendations for us to get darkness? Uh, I would turn down the light, the, um, the, the recommendation in about March this year, a formal recommendation came out about light, and that is that we're in 10 lux or less. Um, a lux, one lux is the brightness of one candle flame from three feet away. So 10 lux for the two or three hours before bed, that's the recommendation. And then bedrooms should be one lux or less. Um, and then during the day to get as much outdoor sunlight as you can. And this is one last question I must ask you, Dr. Catherine, is that, you know, when someone has had a disrupted circadian rhythm, not necessarily due to shift work, but just because they've fallen into that pattern of having very unusual circadian rhythms, how do you generally work with them to restore a natural circadian rhythm where they're more in sync with these diurnal rhythms of light and darkness? And, uh, and the reason I ask you this is normally we hear about 
the use of a light box. So is that something that you work with or is are your recommendations more to do with getting the sunlight, getting the darkness? Yeah, for um, the general population to be healthy in terms of all those qualities that melatonin has, those actions that it'll do for our overall health, those are the recommendations that I already covered. For people who have circadian rhythm problems, then I do use very precisely timed light box and melatonin. The light box is going to have much more of an effect on the person's circadian rhythm than any melatonin supplement will. So I use that as an adjunct, um, kind of a little boost to the light box. With light box therapy, it's really important to get the timing correct because if you take the light box at the wrong time of day, you can actually make your circadian rhythm problem worse. So that's a caution for people, you know, make sure that you're consulting with a qualified healthcare provider who can guide you in what is the right timing for you. And then there are a few cautions with it. You want to always have it to the side. You don't want to look directly at the light box, just like we don't look directly at the sun. It's just too bright for our eyes. Um, a couple eye conditions, macular degeneration, you wouldn't want to use the light box, or at least you'd want to check, you know, if that caution is relevant for you. Uh, history of mania, history of um, con conditions that are photosensitizing, like lupus can have some photosensitized um, responses. So yeah, there's a few cautions there. And what are your recommendations for the regular population in terms of darkness as in when sunset arrives, do we switch off our lights? Do we set that one special light? So is that all we have? What about watching television after it's sunset? Um, how do we yeah. interplay with darkness? Yeah, so in the um, dim light, that sunset type of light in the couple hours before bed, if you want to watch TV, you could wear something like these. These are blue light blocking glasses. Um, you could wear those. I wear those sometimes and my teenager laughs at me, but I'm like, I'm going to sleep well tonight. Um, and you can also, um, you know, maybe turn off the TV, turn off the screens, listen to an audio book, listen to music, make music. If you um, like to jam with your family or something, chit chat, uh, hang out with the loved ones, with the pets, uh, go for a stroll. If you've got enough light to safely walk your neighborhood, you know, if there's moonlight or starlight or distant, um, street lights that can be really lovely and um you know i like people to embrace the idea of not doing anything that is productive or task oriented for at least the hour before bed just give yourself a mental break and and you know go down from that sympathetic rushing and getting stuff done and let your parasympathetic system um, increase. And, you know, if you have a spiritual practice, maybe that's a good time to do that in the dim light or, you know, a relaxing bath or something, which can help people sleep. 
just really, you know, wind down and be ready for restoration, right? I mean, I think for the longest time, sleep was thought to be the absence of wakefulness, right? But sleep is really a very active, restorative time, and um, it deserves it deserves our recognition and our involved, you know, promoting healthy sleep. Thank you, Dr. Catherine. And I'd love to have you back on another episode to talk about melatonin. But in the meantime, if someone would like to work with you, uh, especially if someone is in requirement of therapeutic tools from a sleep physician, like working with light box therapy, where can they find you? So uh, you can find me on Instagram at skilled sleeper. And then I have a business here in the States, which you can find at naturalsleepmedicine.net. Thank you. And for your time today, and for what I really took away personally was that there's so much that is simple, practical, it doesn't have to be highly complex, but it does require us giving it our attention and not just putting it in the background like that wallpaper we spoke about. Yes, thank you. Glad to be here. In today's episode, Dr. Catherine spoke about dark deficiency and why some of us might be more sensitive to light than others, myself included. I'd really like to close this episode with what I mentioned on the podcast, which is bringing in daily habits that optimize the diurnal rhythms of light and darkness. I've been guilty at times myself of knowing what is wrong, such as scrolling social media in the darkness and doing it anyway. In Ayurveda, this is called avidya or being in denial, where we let the information stay as wallpaper in the background and continue doing it anyway. Yogic scriptures talk about how avidya leads to ahamkara or ego, and then raga or attachment, the way Ayurveda suggests breaking the grip of these kleshas is by understanding them honestly within us and being consistent with simple daily routines that help to stay in equilibrium. I'm someone who gets annoyed if my husband points it out to me but somewhere within, I know that it's my ego. So within my own space, I get brutally honest with myself on what are these practices that I'm doing, which are making me lose even keel. I then make the changes quietly within myself. On a lighter note, I may never accept these outside, especially not to my husband. Have a great day. Hi everyone, I hope you enjoyed the show today. Just a reminder that this podcast is for information purposes only. It is not a substitute for professional care by a doctor or otherwise qualified health professional. 
This information is provided on the understanding that it does not constitute medical or the professional advice or services. If you are looking for personal help on your health journey, do seek out a qualified professional. Please do make your own healthcare decisions based upon your research and in partnership with a qualified healthcare professional. It is in no way intended as medical advice or a treatment or cure for any condition. Be sure to always directly work with a qualified practitioner before making any changes to your diet or lifestyle that may feel out of your realm of comfort or understanding. If you are looking for an allied functional medicine practitioner, do seek out more information on www.phytothrive.com. It is important that you have someone who is qualified and understands your health personally in order to provide adequate care especially when it comes to chronic health condition. Be sure to subscribe to the Sleep Whisperer podcast on your favorite podcast app to get each episode as soon as it launches.
that would prefer, you know, the either the natural calm or any other formula that comes like in a in a powder that you can mix and just help with that absorption. Um, in in glycinate forms, I'm gonna mention a brand that I really like. Uh, it's a professional brand. It's Designs for Health. I really like their their magnesium glycinate, and it has a it has a really actually high dose in it. I can't remember the number, but I know that comparing it with others, they have a really good um, magnesium glycinate. So that's in the uh, but the same you know Metagenics also offers it or any of the atrium brands. Um, so uh, Douglas Labs and Pure Encapsulations actually is also another one that I would recommend. Um, yeah, but but also. There's, there's, you know, there's tons of brands out there. Magnesium, I'm, I'm going to speak once again from the business perspective, like it's an extremely popular supplement. So there's, there's a lot out there. Just do your research. Maybe, um, you know, the brands that I mentioned is, is uh, the conclusions that I came to and, and, um, and that I love and know. But, uh, but talk to your practitioner and see uh, maybe what, what other brands you can explore. Lovely, Maria. Thank you for your time. And where can people find you if they'd like to know more about magnesium and a whole lot more about Maria? Thank you, Deepa. Um, I'm, my, my website is mariaroldan.ca. Um, that's, that's where you can find me. Uh, I'm, I'm making a lot of changes now to my website. And I do, I'm going to be doing a lot more work in, in Spanish, you know, if you, uh, if any of your listeners. Uh, know people that can benefit, you know, from, from having access to this information in Spanish. That's what I'm going to start doing. I mean, in, in, on Instagram, which is Maria Roldan underscore uh, dot CA, I've started to post exclusively in Spanish because I feel that, that I, I need to, to help and to help spread this information to that uh, community as well. But, um, but yes, in, in Maria Roldan dot CA is, is what really people can find me. And I know that I'd encourage anyone to go to your Instagram and I always listen to your videos because you sound so musical when you're talking in <laughs> Spanish that it just cheers <laughs> me up. Uh, but thank you for your time, Maria. It was a pleasure speaking with you and I can see your dog in the background at the end as we wrap this up. So thank you for your time. Thank you so much, Deepa. Thank you for you know the work that you're doing and, and all the information you're putting out there to, to help like so many people. So thank you for that as well.